Oh, it is good to be with each and every one of you. Man, it, there's some beautiful faces here today. When we started worshiping, you guys weren't all here. Like, you could just, like, appeared out of somewhere. And so it's great to see you. And uh, I'm excited for the word. Anyone excited for the word this morning? Come on. The Lord has been stirring in me some good things that I can't wait to share with you. And uh, we're going to start out of Romans chapter 10, verse 9 and 10. And, and actually, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask if uh, you can jump in with me. A little uh, participation, whole church participation. And if we can just read this verse out loud and loudly together. Are you guys feeling, are you ready? Are you awake? Feeling good? Come on, I got like three people who are awake. I'm, I'm believing the rest of you are going to be awake too. All right, ready, begin that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Oh, such a powerful verse. So simply so succinctly declaring the way to salvation. I love this verse. Today, the thing, the thing that's been stirring on me this week to share with you this morning really centers around one particular word in this verse. And it's that you will be saved. The word is saved. Oh, that's a good word, isn't it? That's a good word. Come on now. Most of the time when we as believers think of the word saved, what do we think about? What do we, we, we rescued? Oh, that was good. That was a good word. Any other? What do we think about? Most of the time we think, I, my, my thought is eternity, isn't it? We think about life after here, which is good. And I want to look at that. Because that is important. This word for saved is, in, is the Greek word sozo. Sozo. Say it. Go ahead. It's fun to say. Just try it. Say sozo. Oh, you guys sound good. It's a fun word to say. Sozo. And what it means is save, heal, deliver, make whole, protect, be whole. It has a wealth of meaning behind it. And we're going to kind of begin picking it apart because this word Jesus used so intentionally. So intentionally. And, and as we already kind of mentioned, one of the main things we think about when we think about being saved or salvation is eternity, right? Right? Ephesians 2, 8 and 9 says, For by grace you have been saved, through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. What's this referring to? It's referring to eternity. Life after here. And we are saved for eternity. Oh, that's good. What, what are we saved from? Have you ever thought about that? What are we saved from? Death, our sins, hell, thank you. 
Man, we are saved. I actually, you can really quickly and easily do this. I just did a, a quick Google search. Scripture on hell. And, and I'm not going to read all of them to you because there's a ton. But I just wanted to pick out a couple of those like really distinct descriptives about hell. Uh, furnace of fire. Weeping of gnashing and teeth. That's that, that like that where your teeth are just like, oh, just like where you're in agony, right? It's that tormented day and night forever and ever where worm does not die and fire is not quenched. Darkness, separate from God, right? You know, it's important to know what you're saved from. It's important to know what you're saved from. Because if, if, you, if you don't, you don't always value what you're saved to as much, do you? If you don't realize you have a need for salvation, you, you won't want to really pursue or desire or, or value the salvation that's being offered, is it, do you? People need to know they have a need to be saved. And what, what are we saved to? Eternally speaking, we're saved to Eternity with God, our creator, aren't we? We get to, to pass off this mortal flesh and we get to go be and dwell in his presence for eternity. The Bible says we get to worship him. It says there's no light because he is the light. We just dwell in the radiance of his glory. I've, I've heard testimonies of people who have died and gone to heaven and they just talk about how there are colors and beauty there we can't fathom in our natural world here i mean it is a place that is completely joyous beautiful i love what um i lost my verse <laughs> i love what matthew um Oh, sorry, it wasn't highlighted. Ha, Revelation 21, 4 says, and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There shall be no more death, nor sorrow, nor crying. There shall be no more pain, for the former things have passed away. Oh, we are saved to glorious, a glorious existence in eternity. Amen. And if, if that word sozo only meant Eternal, eternal salvation, wouldn't that be good? Wouldn't that be good? Like, man, that would give us confidence in this life to know it's gonna be okay. That would give us hope. That would give us strength, wouldn't it? But that's not the only thing this word means. That's not the only thing. You know, it also actually the word saved isn't just about eternity. It's also about life here. Life here. Let's look at a verse, Matthew 8, 25. It says, then his disciples came to him and awoke him saying, Lord, save us. We are perishing. Now this is when the disciples are out on a boat and Jesus is asleep and a storm comes up. And water is crashing into the boat. And these disciples are like, we're going to die. Right? They, in the very natural sense, need saving. And what did they say? They said, Jesus, sozo us. Save us. 
Isn't it good to know that you have a savior who doesn't just care about saving you for eternity, but when we're in trouble here in the natural, we can cry out to him and he will save us. So it's not just eternal salvation. It's it's a saving from peril here. I wanna look, it also means healed, healed. In Mark 5, through 23, it says, and behold, one of the rulers of the synagogues came, Jairus by name, and when he saw him, being Jesus, he fell at his feet and begged him earnestly saying, my little daughter lies at the point of death. Come and lay your hands on her that she may be sozo healed and she will live what's this desperate father talking about he's saying my, my my daughter needs to be healed she's got this sickness this ailment and i've heard you you are the one who are healing people from things that no one ever has been healed from and i need you to come and to heal her in acts 14 8 through 10, it says, And in Lystra, a certain man without strength in his feet was sitting a cripple from his mother's womb his whole life. He's never walked. This man heard Paul speaking, and Paul observing him intently and seeing he had faith to be healed, sozo said with a loud voice, stand up straight on your feet. And he leaped and walked. Paul saw that he had faith to be healed. Faith to be healed. This word is directly correlated to physical healing. You know, it wouldn't make sense that Paul looked at him and said, oh, you've got faith for eternal salvation, therefore stand up and walk. Like that, the dots don't connect. It doesn't make sense that way. It's very clearly talking about Paul sees him. He's got faith to walk. He's never done it before, but he's got faith for it. And so Paul says, stand up and walk. And he does. Oh, we have a savior who cares about our body. Who cares about our health, our wholeness, and who overcomes all sickness and disease. In fact, Mark 6, 56 says, wherever he entered into villages, cities, or the country, they laid the sick in the marketplace and begged him, Jesus, that they might just touch the hem of his garment. And as many as touched him were made well, made well is sozo. We have a God who wants to see us healed. And you know, I know some may be asking, well, why isn't everyone always healed? And there are actually, you can walk through scripture, you can see many different reasons. I can't tell you all of them. And actually this isn't the sermon for, for going in that direction. But what I can tell you is we have a God who wants to heal. We have a God who is a covenant God. And he stands by his promises. He is faithful. He is faithful. He is our healer. 
And this is a part of the salvation he offers us, physical healing. Amen. I love this story. It's both of healing, but it's also that part of the definition of making whole. In Mark 5, starting at verse 25, it says, Now a certain woman had a flow of blood for 12 years. That's a long time. And had suffered many things from many physicians. She'd spent all she had and was no better, but rather grew worse. When she heard about Jesus, she came behind him in the crowd and touched his garment. For she said, if only I may touch his clothes, I shall be made well. Guess what word that is? Made well. Sozo. She she had faith. Immediately, the fountain of her blood was dried up. And she felt in her body that she was healed of the affliction. And Jesus, immediately knowing in himself that power had gone out of him, turned around in the crowd and said, who touched my clothes? Now, I just love his disciples' response to Jesus in this moment. Like, it makes me laugh every time, and I have to admit, and I have to believe, every single one of us would have had the same response. And they say this, But his disciples said to him, you see the multitude thronging you, pressing against you, coming after you, surrounding you? Because he's in a crowd right now, right? And you say, who touched me? They're like, Jesus, everybody's touching you. I love this. And he looked around to see her who had done this thing. But the woman, fearing and trembling, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell down before him and told him the whole truth. And he said to her, daughter, your faith has made you well, so so. Go in peace and be healed of your affliction. Now, I, I mentioned that, yes, this story talks about physical healing, but there's more healing this woman receives than just physical healing. Notice, it had said she had had a flow of blood for 12 years. Well, in the Jewish society, guess what that means? It means you're unclean. You have this sickness, this ailment that that isn't being resolved. You are now unclean. What does that mean as, as a person, whether you're a man or a woman? Now you have to walk around and declare wherever you go, unclean, unclean, and no one's gonna touch you. No one's gonna come near you. You're not able to dwell in the normal place with your family where you would have dwelt. You would have to go outside of the village, the town, the city, wherever you are. You'd have to go to a separate place. You are not welcome. You are ostracized. And this woman breaks breaks cultural norms, things that were sacred, by going into the crowd to pursue Jesus. See, the way they viewed it is if you touch someone who was unclean, you became unclean. No one would have wanted her to touch them. She was a social outcast. And now Jesus says, you're healed. Your faith has healed you. And therefore, instantly, not only is her body restored, but her whole social status is restored. 
she is welcome back into community. She is welcome back to be a part. Her status of being a woman of dignity is brought back to her. See, Jesus, he cares about restoring all of us. He looks at us and he says, I want you to be healthy and whole and complete in every area of your life, your emotions, those strains that you have had with relationships or, or with, with coworkers or children or whatever it might be. The Lord, the Lord says, no, 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 I want to bring healing to you. I want you to be the man or the woman of God you were created to be complete, having nothing holding you back, no shame, no sickness or disease, no, nothing to hide yourself over. No, he says, I want to meet you where you're at and I want to bring salvation to every area of your life. There's one more area it talks about this word sozo. It's being delivered. And this this scripture, this this story is a little bit longer, so I'm gonna synopsis, give a, a short synopsis of it. And it's when Jesus was with his disciples and they'd crossed the lake, the Sea of Galilee, and they'd gone to the other side, and, and there was a demon-possessed man. Right? You remember this story? Where he was possessed by a legion of demons. Like that's a lot. It's like a thousand demons, right? Something like that. And this man sees Jesus coming and he runs to Jesus. And Jesus is about is trying to cast out the demons and they're like, don't just send us out anywhere. See those pigs over there. Like just send us into the pigs. And I have no idea why Jesus agrees to this. I don't get it. Like, I don't think this should be our natural practice if we have somebody coming to us who's demon-possessed that we say, you know what, just go into the dog. Like, just, just that bird, you can have it. Like, I, right, I, don't, I don't think there's something for us. I don't, I don't understand it, if I'm honest. But for whatever reason, Jesus agrees and says, go into the pigs. And what happens? This legion of demons go into the pigs. They leave the man, and they go into the pigs, and the pigs rush into the lake, and they all die weird some of the stories they're just like I'm gonna have to ask the Lord about that someday but but then what happens is the people from the surrounding area they hear about it and they come looking to find out what had happened and they come and they find Jesus there with this man and it says this in Luke 8 36 they also who had seen seen it this whole event that happened, seen it told them by what means he who had been demon-possessed was healed, sozo. You know, demon possession is a very real thing. And that's where the demonic, and I'm not trying to be like scary or nothing, it's a very real thing. They can come and they can possess you. You, you give them entry into your life to take over. Now we as believers, we do have the Holy Spirit, don't we? We do have the Holy Spirit. And we need to remember that. We need to remember who we are. 
and what we have. We do not have to fear the devil. We do not have to fear demons. Why, Jesus tells us, behold, I give you authority to trample on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. He, the, the serpents and scorpions is a direct reference to demons. Jesus says, no, 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 listen. Okay, you know what? You need to be aware that they're out there. We need to be aware, but we don't need to glorify them or fear them. If you fear them, you give them control over you. Just so you know. Your fear gives them way in your life, gives them power over you. We, we don't need to. Jesus just told us, no, no, no. You trample on them with the authority of the name of Jesus Christ. Because at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow, every tongue confess, he is Lord. But their only, their only attack isn't that they would possess us. Did you know they, they like to also just, they can oppress you as a believer? That's different. It's different to be oppressed than, uh, than possessed. Oppressed. Jesus talks about in uh, Ephesians, well, not Jesus, Paul, sorry, in Ephesians 6, when we're putting on the whole armor of God to take up the shield of faith, which will quench every fiery arrow of the enemy. What are those fiery arrows? It's lies that the enemy throws your way. Fear, doubts, is God gonna come through? Can I even do this? It's those feelings of this, this situation just looks impossible. How am I ever going to do it? It's those lies of the enemy. They come and they pierce. And I like that it calls it fiery arrows. That's important because it doesn't just pierce, it stays and, and it continues to harm until it's dealt with. But Jesus says, no, no, you hold up that shield of faith. You're a believer. You have the name of Jesus. Hold up that shield of faith. And cast down those lies. They have no authority over you. You have been delivered. You have the name above every name. I can tell you, even, even just coming here, for, for Jessica and I, we, you know, we've been here three months, and did you know, like, we came here to do the work of the Lord. And the enemy doesn't like that, and... and and we were confused about some of it and where we were just like, man, maybe this is just culture shock or, you know, just adjustments for life, you know, we're moving to a different nation. But we had to recognize, and the Lord's been showing us over even the last couple of weeks, hey, there's a real enemy who doesn't want us here. And he's tried to cause some fear and he's tried to cause us to feel like, man, this is so much. How's this going to work sometimes? And what is, what are we even doing? You know, those are all lies of the enemy. That's oppression. That's oppression. And we had to break it off. We had to declare victory over it. We had to put it under our feet and say, no, 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 no. That's not true. God has great things in store for us here in New Zealand and the South Pacific. The Lord's going to do a mighty work. He has given us the victory. And we're going to move forward. And we're going to take ground for the kingdom of God. But you see, we just have to be open. We have to open our eyes and see, is, is this the Lord? Is this something, is, are these thoughts that are coming at me or are they building me up 
Or are they tearing me down? No, we've been delivered. See, the salvation that has been offered to us is complete deliverance. It's complete victory for this life to be the men and the women God has created us to be, to not be held back in fear, to not be held back in insecurity, in depression, in sickness. No, God has called us and created us to flourish in relationship with him. See, this word sozo is so important because the salvation that Jesus offers us, it's not just for eternity, it's for every single day of our life that we would be people set free to live for him and for his glory so that when people look at our lives, what they see is there, there must be really a God. There's something different about you. There's a hope in you. There's a life in you. There's a lightness to you. There's a peace about you. What is that? I want that. It's more than just being the New Zealand kind. Right? New Zealanders are known for being kind and praise the Lord for it. I've enjoyed that. I've enjoyed the kindness here. It's different than in California. Right? But it's more than just being kind. It's being filled with the spirit and empowered to show the love of God. To walk in confidence. And how, how is it that we get to this place of receiving such salvation? How is it we get there and we receive it? We talked about it in the very first verse we read together. That if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Now many of you, if not most of you in this room, I believe have, have done that. Amen. Praise God. That is so good. That is so good. There's something about this statement, though, that, that we continue to have to wrestle with as believers. That continues to challenge me and encourage me. But something we have to keep before us on a daily basis. And, and really, it's the confession that we're required to make. You see, we believe in our heart. I love that it says we believe in our heart and not our mind because we don't have to fully understand it, right? If it said your mind, you would just think, oh, I have to understand everything. I'd have to learn everything and everything would have to be logical. Well, guess what? It's not logical that Jesus would die for you and take your sins and all you have to do is put your faith in him and you're good. Like that's not logical. It's God. That's beyond our comprehension. And so he says, not your head, no, your heart. Believe it with the depth of who you are, receive it. And confess. We confess with our mouth. Why? Because your authority is in your mouth, right? Life and death are in the power of the tongue. And so we confess with our 
mouth. But what are we confessing? And this is the thing I was getting to that challenges, challenges us in every area of our life. We're not just confessing Jesus. We're confessing the Lord Jesus. It's different. Because confessing the Lord Jesus means you're confessing Jesus is Lord of my life. Now, Lord is one of those words we don't really use in our everyday vernacular, is it? We don't call like our boss, yes, Lord, right? Like we don't have this understanding. We don't have natural like slaves who have a master. But of course, in Jesus' day, they did. They understood Lord, what it meant was owner, controller, master, decision maker. That's what Lord means. Owner, master, controller decision maker so when we are inviting Jesus to be the Lord of our lives and we're living for him we're saying okay Jesus you are the master of my life Jesus you are the controller of my life Jesus you're the decision maker what do I do with my life, Jesus? What kind of a job do I go after? Where should I live? What, should, what ministry should I be a part of? You know, Jesus, lead me. See, when Jesus is the Lord of your life, you let him lead you, which this is contrary to our culture today. We don't, our culture, everything about our culture tells us, you do you. Be you. Don't let anyone control you. Don't let anyone have their way over you. You rise up. Make the most of yourself. But the problem with our culture today is we have more people depressed and hopeless and confused about life than ever before. Not knowing what to do with themselves or what to give themselves to. See, Jesus as our Lord. Ah. Oh. He knows. He created us. He created you. He knows how you're wired. He knows what's best for you. And inviting him to be our Lord and our Savior. Oh, that he would have the reins of your life and lead you in every area. That's an honor. That's a privilege. That's not a weight that's not a burden. That's not someone trying to hold you back. That's someone who says, oh, I know who you are and I wanna release you to be the person I created you to be. That's what a good leader does. That's what a good Lord does. That's an exciting relationship to be in and under because we have a savior who loves us. Just as, as James was talking about what he went through for us, it's hard to fathom. It's hard to fathom. He did it though because he loves us and he yearns to be in relationship with us in this life and for eternity. And for eternity. I want to invite the band up.
And maybe you are here today. And you've said yes to Jesus. But maybe there's some of these other aspects of salvation that are highlighted and you're like, wow, that really hit me today. I've got something going on with my body that needs healing or I've been having fears or doubts or concerns about this area and man, I just feel like the enemy's been attacking me and I need freedom and victory over that. Or maybe maybe it's, it's that, you know, it's relationships. Things are broken or messed up and you need the Lord to come in and bring some mending to it. Whatever it might be, maybe it's that you haven't really said yes to Jesus and you want to invite him to have the reins in your life. We're going to give opportunity for that. We're going to worship the Lord. And I invite you to fully worship him. But also we're going to have our elders here come forward to come and pray. And we want to pray with you. We believe in the assignment of the Lord on your life. We believe in what the Lord wants to do in and through you. We believe that the, it is for freedom he has set you free and today is a day of freedom for you. Today is a day of victory. And we want to stand with you and to pray with you for that. Can I have everyone stand up right now?